0: It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Karpel and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpel.com and later also on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, January the 23rd, 2020, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Karpel and we are back live from beautiful Austin, Texas, and Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run smoothly as usual, and we have another great program in store for you this evening. In a little while after the break, we'll have my interview with Pat Duckworth in the UK, and Pat is a women's health strategist specializing at working with businesses and organizations who are committed to supporting women colleagues. And she's the founder of Smarter Menopause. And she'll be discussing her latest book, Menopause Mind the Gap, the value of supporting women's wellness in the workplace. And later in the show we'll be joined once again by the twins, Ruben and Minerva in Bay of Bandadas, Mexico. We haven't spoken to them in a while. This is our first time speaking to them this year. And so we're going to get to go know them a little bit and start preparing for more travel with them in 2022. And along the way, I'll be saying a few words um, to help us to connect with our passionate life a little better during these difficult times and after the show you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight along with all of the website links given by my guests on the program if you go to my website drmaricarpel.com and you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show by going directly to Blog blogtalkradio, slash. Your Golden Years, and you can also hear it on Apple Podcasts. Just put in a search for Dr. Mara Karpel and your golden years. For information from this show and previous programs, go to my website, drmarakarpel.com. You can hear all of the previous programs there as well as at blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, your golden years for upcoming shows and events. This program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And it's sponsored by A Mighty Good Time. Doc, wondering what to do after you're 50? How about having A Mighty Good Time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more, whether it's in person or virtual. Anything can be found to fill your day with others. So be more active and start filling your days. Go to amightygoodtime.com That's amightygoodtime.com Alright, we're going to take a very brief break. Um, It will be brief. We're just going to play a few of our other sponsors' commercials. Um, So don't go anywhere because when we come back, we'll be joined from the UK by Pat Duckworth to discuss Menopause, Mind the Gap, the value of supporting women's wellness in the workplace. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: Super psychologist Dr. Mara
0: Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. So today I am speaking with Pat Duckworth, who is in the UK and has just written a book, Menopause: Mind the Gap, the value of supporting women's wellness in the workplace. And we're going to talk about the book and about menopause and how it affects the workplace, um, how we can support people going through this, and and whatever else comes up. So
1: welcome, Pat. Thank you. It's really good to be talking about this. I'm passionate about this subject. I can talk about it for hours. You'll have to stop me. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, we could always have you on for another program to finish it up. So, so why don't we start with talking about your background?
1: Sure. So um, I spent over thirty years working in public service. I went into working for local government and then central government, and When I first started working, my aim was to be a senior civil servant. That was the pinnacle of what I could achieve. And um, I made that. Excuse me a moment. (coughs) Uh, So I got to my early 50s, and I'd achieved that. I'd become a senior civil servant. And then I was walking to work one morning, and I was walking through central London, looking across the park, The sun was glinting off of Buckingham Palace, Big Ben was sounding in the background, and I realized that I was crying. Mm. There were tears rolling down my cheeks because I just wasn't happy anymore. So sometimes those goals you set and you achieve them, and when you get there, they weren't quite what you expected. And part of the reason was that as I'd entered my 50s, and I did know quite a bit about menopause. I was one of those unusual women who have done a bit of research into it. And I would started to experience brain fog that I couldn't think as clearly as I had. I felt a lot of the time like I needed a new pair of glasses that I couldn't see clearly. I wasn't sleeping as well, and I'd always been quite the champion sleeper. I felt tired. I was sleeping on the train on the way to work and back, and I was doing a stressful job. And my boss was not the kind of person that I could have talked to about it. He would not have been receptive. It would have been a very difficult conversation. It would have been, well, if you can't do your job, perhaps you should go. It would have been like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, so I decided if I wasn't happy, um, you know, sometimes the universe gives you a little bit of a nudge. And then sometimes if you don't listen, it gives you a bit of a slack. But well, I decided to listen to the nudge and I came home and said to my husband, I need to do something different. And I'd already thought about training to do neuro-linguistic programming. It was a subject that I'd been really interested in. So I said, well, I think I'm going to, in my part-time, in the weekends, I'm going to start learning about NLP. And I enrolled for a course that also included hypnotherapy. And the universe saw me taking action. And a couple of months later, before I even started the course, a program came up at work for early retirement and I was by the stage in my mid-50s and I was in the zone and Mm. I said you know I'm going to go for it I'm going to take early retirement I don't know where this course is going to lead me but whatever Uh, you know this is the way to go so I took early retirement I finished my training to be a hypnotherapist and I started up my own practice doing hypnotherapy But I also love training people, so I put together some training courses as well. And then, um, you know, you start to get this advice that you should niche. You know, you should have a specialism. And I thought, Uh well, what do I know a lot about? And the answer was, I know a lot about menopause. (laughs) Uh Uh And a lot of what I'm doing with my clients around dealing with anxiety, poor sleep, weight gain, loss of confidence. These are all things that you can experience at menopause. So why don't I repurpose this information into menopause? And that's when I wrote my first book, Hot Women, Cool Solutions. So I've kind of gone on since then, learning more and more about menopause and really wanting to get the message out there to women about having a positive experience at this stage of life. Mm
0: -hmm. So, so what is menopause? I mean, you know, we know we know the basics, the growth you know, the the overall meaning of menopause. But um, most people, men especially, but a lot of women who reach menopause don't really know what to expect
1: or what it really is. Yeah, most women have no idea about it. Um, I don't know if they think, if they don't think about it, it won't happen. I can tell you, you can ignore it as much as you like, it's still going to happen, because in the background, even when you're not aware of it, really from your early 30s, for, generally your hormones your reproductive hormones estrogen and progesterone are in decline they're reducing the levels of them are gradually reducing in your body and then that reduction starts to accelerate into your 40s until you get for on average to about 51 and your periods your menstrual periods stop and that is menopause but that whole number of years leading up to it when you might be experiencing symptoms is what's described as perimenopause. It's the time before and after your period stop when you might still be experiencing symptoms and it's not just about those reproductive hormones because estrogen is a reproductive hormone but it's also a very powerful growth hormone and it's involved in nearly 200 processes in the body and in the brain. So you can imagine if you've got a particular chemical that's affecting that many processes, mm-hmm. the less and less of it you have, the more it's affecting other parts of your body and not just your reproductive system.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you've written this book about um, menopause and the workplace and how having menopause, going through that while you're a woman's working, can actually cause a gap. Um,
1: Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Uh, Because this has become a big workplace issue globally, although probably the UK is leading the way in actually dealing with it, in actually addressing it. But it's become a global issue because there are more women over 50 in the workplace than ever before. All of those women who've grown up going out to work rather than staying at home the women who have had maternity leave and they've carried on developing their careers they're now getting to this stage in their early mid-40s into their 50s where they're staying in their careers and reaching senior positions as well and they're experiencing these symptoms And, you know, there's been a lot of research into this now that says nearly 75% of women experience symptoms of menopause that they believe affects their performance in the workplace. Now, for some, those might be, you know, occasional symptoms and not very intense, but for about 25% of women... Those are frequent and intense symptoms and not just the hot flushes which is what everybody thinks about with menopause mm-hmm. although if you're working and in meetings and going to see clients even if you're in a zoom meeting and you're having a hot flush it is not a pleasant experience mm-hmm. and you really don't want other people noticing what's going on for you but it's also that poor sleep that happens at menopause that can mean That you get the brain fog you can't think as clearly you're not concentrating as well perhaps having trouble remembering things and you just don't feel like your usual sharp self or it could be um general levels of anxiety a lot of women experience anxiety in a way that they never had before and that's again it's partly to do with the hormones and it's the way that our stress hormones interact with uh, progesterone and estrogen as well. So if you've got, in the UK, there are nearly 4 million women over 50 in the workplace. And of course, this isn't just women over 50. This is women in their 40s. This is women who go into early menopause. It's also women who have hysterectomies or have treatment for cancer who can get menopause symptoms. So we're talking about a big section of women but if we only looked at women over 50 and you said 25 percent of those were experiencing frequent and intense symptoms that's a million women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so this is not a small issue and in america you've got about 34 million women <laughs> over 50 in the workplace wow. so now take 25 percent of them mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're talking about a lot of women who don't feel that they're really giving their best they're not performing as well as they would want to because of what they're experiencing so this is why it's now being acknowledged as a workplace issue and something that employers can address without spending that much money on it and actually get better performance and retain women who otherwise leave their jobs because they just don't feel they can cope anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So what are some of the things that employers can do to help women get through this and be productive at work?
1: So the first bit is really acknowledging it without any prejudice, you know, without judgment, because when I run workshops on this and do awareness raising on it, some women say, should we be talking about this? It's just... Just another stick to beat us with, mm-hmm. you know, that we're getting older and it's not bad enough that we're getting older, we're having symptoms. But honestly, if you don't talk about it, it doesn't make the problem go away. It just kind of parks it for another day. Um, people still know you're getting older. You don't have to tell them, we all get older every day. <laughs> right um, And they might notice that you're not as well as you were. So, um, in terms of the workplace, just signaling right from the top of an organization that this is a subject that we can talk about. It's okay. It, mm-hmm. You don't have to talk about it, but you can. I gave a talk at um, a, a fire station for um, firefighters, and the chief fire officer for the region, and he is quite the kind of bigwig, you know, he's a uh-huh. he's, he's big guy. And he was wearing a t-shirt saying, ask me about menopause. Hmm, Interesting. So for a very senior guy to be wearing that t-shirt amongst all his officers who are all in their uniforms and looking up to him, and he's saying, this is a subject we talk about without embarrassment. Mm, That's great. So to get that kind of message from the top of an organization, really important because then women feel more comfortable and more supported in being able to talk about it so it starts there but then there was just some the easiest things to do is making adjustments now here in the uk we have a term that comes from legislation from law that's called reasonable adjustments what's the reasonable adjustment that you could make
0: right we have here in the u.s reasonable accommodations
1: Oh, it sounds like the same thing. So you're really looking at, well, what would it be reasonable to do? Now, that's not about giving everybody the same thing. It's about saying what would be reasonable, what would help you. And for some women, it's just being able to go to the bathroom when they need to, because some women experience more frequent and more heavy periods and they need to go to the bathroom more often. So it's about facilitating that. I take it as a given, having worked in offices, that I could go to the bathroom or the restroom whenever I wanted to. But in some businesses, that's not the case. If you're working customer facing on a reception desk, or if you're working in retail, there might be set times when you could go to the bathroom. And if you're experiencing a sudden period that's really heavy, you need to get to the bathroom. So just making it okay for that, Making sure that there is readily available drinking water because you might get really thirsty or you're hot and you need a drink. Having a desk fan. Now, again, in some organisations, particularly if you've got a customer-facing job, they might be quite resistant to you having a desk fan just to get yourself cool. But what's what's better? Having somebody who has a discreet desk fan or having somebody who's bright red in the face and has got sweat mm. pouring down them, you know? <laughs> we really have to think through the options there might be things if you have to wear a uniform Um, most uniforms particularly in public sector if you're working in police service or ambulance or fire or you know if you're in the army um, or any of the armed forces most of the uniforms are designed for men and then adapted for women and a few small changes to those uniforms, whether it's so you can roll the sleeves up. If you get hot, being able to expose parts of your um, body where you can cool down, like cooling down your elbows or around the neck so you're not wearing a neck and uh, a tie. Um, or it might be that if you've got uniform trousers and you're a woman, you need two different sizes because perhaps you get quite bloated at some stages. Mm-hmm. You know, these are just simple, practical things. And in some organizations, we've seen here in the UK that uh, some employers have got very constructive about it and they've thought about, well, perhaps some women need somewhere to lay down. You know, you can get cliff-edge fatigue. It's not to do with whether you've been sleeping badly or not. Those hormonal changes can just make you feel so tired
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: making sure there's somewhere that women can just lay down and rest when they need to, even just knowing that that facility is there can make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, other employers here in the UK, um, in England rather than Wales or Scotland, and you might find this slightly strange in America, but they have different rules around whether you have to pay for your medication. And in England, women have to pay for their replacement therapy now some employers have stepped in and said we will pay if you if you need to take hormone replacement therapy we will pay your charges on it so employers are finding many different ways of making adjustments and making it supporting women so that they can carry on working and you know there's also the issue of flexible working hours So for some women, they find they feel better in the morning and they want to get into work early and leave earlier in the afternoon. Other women would rather have an extra hour in bed in the morning because they're not sleeping so well, come into work after the rush hour has settled down and then stay a bit later so they avoid the rush hour in the evening. So flexible working time can be a really big gift to women at menopause.
0: How does it benefit the employers to
1: do this? good question because employers, some employers just want to be really good employers because they want to attract more women and they want to have an equal, diverse, inclusive workplace and other employers are kind of what's in it for me. Right. So um, you can achieve better performance because if you're not feeling well, if you're not sleeping well, you're not going to perform as well as you did in other stages of your career. And this might be a time when you're reaching the peak of your career, you're knowledgeable, you're experienced, really, you don't go to work to underperform. So just a few adjustments and acknowledging and putting communication in place can help women to perform better. They're going to take less sickness absence because they don't need to. They're supported, they know they can get to work, and they know there's support there, so they don't need to take as much time off work. And perhaps there's less presenteeism, being there and not feeling well and not doing a good job. Of course, it increases morale. It does mean a more equal and diverse workforce. Um, There's also not losing women who otherwise, at the peak of their career, leave their job and again, 25% of women consider leaving their jobs at menopause mm-hmm. because they don't feel well. And that sounds like a huge number, but you know, I've been working in this area a while now, and I know that there are many women who, because they don't talk about it with anybody, they think they're the only one making that decision to leave their job, to leave the career that they've built up over decades and go and do something simple like go and work in the library or in the supermarket stacking shelves. Mm-hmm. These are qualified women who just don't feel like they can do their job anymore. And the cost of replacing somebody at a senior level or at any level, you're losing the experience, you're losing the knowledge, and you're, you've you got all the costs of recruitment and replacement and the final bit, which is probably more significant here in the UK, is that there is legislation, the Equality Act 2010, um, which protects certain characteristics of employees. And what that means is that you can't discriminate against somebody on the basis of gender, age, um, disability, uh, sexuality, and several cases have now gone to call Um, where menopause has been a factor Mm. in how the person was treated and the uh, employer has been found guilty of not treating them correctly under the Act. So reducing that risk, because it's not just about the money, it's about the damage to your brand. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those people, companies that was taken to court were um, a, a clothing retailer whose target audience well, women at this stage of life, and okay. then they get taken to court because somebody in their organization a manager has been harassing and bullying somebody because of their menopause mm-hmm. that is not a good look no it's not <laughs> that's a really good point yep
0: so so um, I know we just have like a minute or two left, so i want to I want to let listeners know what what you're doing and how they can find out more about you and
1: um, contact you if needed well thank you so um, dot com is my website and if you go on there then um, you can download the first chapter of my book menopause mind the gap and in that first chapter, I'm setting out why this is a workplace issue. So if you want all the statistics and the reasons why this is a good thing, go to patthuckworth.com and look up workplace menopause and mind the gap. Um, I do have a, a radio show, a weekly radio show that's actually broadcast from New York. It's on talkradio.nyc and it's uh, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time. It's called Hot Women Rock, uh, Uh because I believe we still do. And I cover all sorts of subjects there concerning not just menopause, but midlife generally, whether it's about our relationships or our energy management and, and some of the symptoms. And even, you know, we did the other week setting intentions rather than resolutions. So it's not just all about symptoms. It's about all those things that affect us at midlife.
0: And is that the link to that also on your website?
1: Um, you can find it in on the blog page because I tend to blog every week after I've done the show just to say what the top tips are because I have great guests and they give top tips. Um, so if you go to the blog page, you can find the link to talkradio.nyc. Okay, great.
0: So I'll, I'll post that on my website post about this show after the show airs so that People can just go there, and they can click on it and go to your website.
1: Lovely. And I'd love them to listen in, and, uh, and, and they can ask their questions. It's broadcast live, and you can find it on Facebook and ask questions during the show.
0: Great, great. So thank you so much for, for being on the show. And as I said, since there is so much to talk about, I'd love to have you come back at some time in the future and we can talk some more about some of these issues.
1: That would be wonderful. There's so much more I could
0: tell you. I'm sure. I'm sure. So thank you again, and, um, and you have a very nice evening.
1: Thank you. Enjoy your day. It's been a pleasure.
0: Dr. Mera's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Harpel and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com.
1: Please visit us on the web at www.drmerrickharpell.com.
0: And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Merrick Carpel and your golden years. <clears throat> right here on blogtalkradio.com and on com. and that was a very interesting interview and um, Pat's book gives a lot more tips and I really, it's a very helpful book um, anyone interested in the symptoms of menopause and, and things that you can do about it and that again is Menopause, Mind the Gap so I'll be posting the link to that on my website post about this show. So now I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, I've been talking quite a bit over the past couple of years about finding, connecting to your passion during this time. So um, in, in preparing for it and like, two days ago, or early, early yesterday morning, um, one of the influential um, teachers in my life, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, the the Vietnamese Buddhist monk, um, passed away at the age of 95. And so I want to talk a little bit about him and some of his writing because I think that he really gets to the heart of the matter, being open to connecting to your peacefulness, your joy, your happiness, and your passion, um, no matter the situation that you're in. Um, but first I want to mention we were out last week. And the reason that we played an encore is because we went to L.A. And it was, it was a quick trip. Um, we drove there. We were very safe. We, and we stayed in safe places with little contact with people. Um, L.A., I was so impressed with the way that they handled the, the uh, virus. Um, they have vaccine mandates for all their indoor eateries. And many of the restaurants also have outdoor areas. Um, so you have that choice. And... Um, Outdoors, you don't have to show your vaccine um, proof. And, you know, the weather is pretty temperate there, so you don't have to worry about snow and ice, and the only thing you might have to worry about is a little bit of rain. Um, And so that made it a lot more comfortable. And along the way, we stopped in a town called Quartzsite in Arizona, which um, has I guess it's called quartzite because there's a lot of quartz there. quartz And we bought a lot of, they had a lot of rock shops and crystal shops. And we stopped and bought a lot of rocks and crystals. And we also ate along the way in Benson, Arizona, at a great restaurant that, although um, it has a very uh, carnivorous name, Pablo's Steaks and more, had a lot of really good vegetarian options. And both of these places, the Quartzsite Arizona, the Rock Shop and the and Pablo Stakes and Moore and Benson, Arizona, are right off the highway pretty much on the main highway that goes across the country, which is I-10. And so I recommend those along the way, um, along your route to if you're ever driving from Texas, to To California, um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful trip. I did post on my Facebook page and on my Instagram some of the more beautiful sites, um, driving through the desert and going directly to the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, so that was quite something. While we were there, they had a tsunami warning, um, but I found out that it wasn't Predicted to be very high, it would be something that surfers would enjoy. Very, you know, just high waves, but that didn't even happen. So, but I want to get to talk about Thich Nhat Han, and um, you know, his teachings really are a map for us to find a way to connect to our own inner peace. Um, our own happiness, our own passion, as well as compassion for others, um, especially in a time of stress and division between people. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh was a pacifist, um, but don't, don't make no mistake about it. He was an activist, so he was an, his activism for peace in the world and racial justice with something that came from a pa- place of peace within himself, and that's really what he what he talked about. He stood up against the Vietnam War. Um, he was um, active in the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King jr, and you know he was not afraid to say how he felt, so it's a little bit different than um, what I hear sometimes from people who are, you know, very um, active in meditation. Um, Not not everyone, but there is a group of people, you know, you shouldn't get into um, those kind of issues. That that just reflects who you are inside, that when there's war outside, it means that you're worrying inside. And um, that's not reality. The reality is that we are in a pandemic, that people are fighting with each other, that there are wars in the world. So that's reality. It's not because we feel um, we're at war with ourselves that we see this. It's because we're opening our eyes and we're seeing it. And in order to make a difference in the world, in order to be the change, we have to accept. We have Accepting doesn't mean we say it's okay, but we have to accept. We have to believe and know that reality is reality. And then we can take action to be part of the change and what Thich Nhat taught, which I think is really powerful and it's very hard to do is to take steps towards being the change towards creating peace in the world from a place of inner peace. That's where the war within ourselves has to stop so that we can then approach things from a, very peaceful way. So just to give a little bit of more of his history for people who haven't heard of Thich Nhat Hanh or or aren't that familiar with him, even if you've heard of him, um, during the Vietnam War, Thich Nhat Hanh was in Vietnam um, where he was born, and he was among the monks and nuns, Buddhist monks and nuns who were tasked with deciding whether or not to remain meditating within the monasteries. Um, You know, as I said, those people who just meditate and send light out into the world um, and believe that that makes all the change or to provide aid to those who were affected by the war. And he decided to do both, to both meditate and provide aid. And he founded the Engaged Buddhism Movement. So being engaged in the world, not stepping away from it, not going into a monastery or to a retreat or to your cabin in the woods, but actually being engaged in the world, but also spending time in meditation to calm yourself down and find peace within. I'm reading this from a, from a biography a little bit. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh traveled to the United States to teach at Princeton University before he eventually taught at Columbia University, and he also founded the School of Youth and Social Service, which is a grassroots relief organization of 10,000 volunteers that's based on the Buddhist principles of nonviolence and compassionate action. He also founded the Van Han Buddhist University in Saigon, the Le Boy Publishing House, and an influential peace activist magazine. In 1966, Thich Nhat Hanh traveled back to the United States and Europe where he called for an end to the war in Vietnam and pled for peace. And during that time, he met with Martin Luther King Jr., who later nominated him for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1967. After the nomination, both North and South Vietnam denied Thich Nhat Hanh re-entry into Vietnam and he was exiled from his home country for 39 years. And he traveled across the globe, it, continuing to spread his message of love and peace. And in the last decade, he opened monasteries across the globe, including in California, New York, Paris, and Australia. And he orchestrated events for Congress members in the United States, as well as for parliamentarians in countries such as Ireland, India, and Thailand. Now, my experience, my own personal experience of introduction to Thich Nhat Hanh was that I was invited to go hear him. At the 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 Cathedral of Saint John the Divine in New York City, when I was living in New York, and that is the large that is I think it's the largest cathedral in North America. It's it's tremendous, and I didn't had never heard of him. And when I got there, I discovered there was a line all the way around the block. And when we finally got in, there were no seats left. This whole cathedral was full. And I ended up sitting on the floor with many other people. And um, I just listened to his very soft-spoken voice. And his words, as he spoke softly, really touched my soul. And, um, and I read most, if not all, of his books. And they really they really made a difference in my life. They got me through some really difficult times. They taught me about... Um, compassion and inner peace and I think you know as with most people I'm still learning so I want to read a little bit some of his really powerful words um, from Peace is Every Step which is the I believe this was the first of his books that I read and it is um, the subtitle is The Path of Mindfulness in Everyday Life I just want to read a little bit from different parts. Part is about finding joy in your life at this moment. So that's really primary. We need to find joy and peace within ourselves in order to then go out into the world and make a difference in the world. So we, in order to do that in a way that's peaceful, we need to come from a place of peace. And this, The first chapter in this book is called 24 Brand New Hours, and he wrote, every morning when we wake up, we have 24 brand new hours to live. What a precious gift. We have the capacity to live in a way that these 24 hours will bring peace, joy, and happiness to ourselves and others. Peace is present right here and now in ourselves and in everything we do and see." The question is whether or not we are in touch with it. We don't have to travel far away to enjoy the blue sky. We don't have to leave our city or even our neighborhood to enjoy the eyes of a beautiful child. Even the air we breathe can be a source of joy. We can smile, breathe, walk and eat our meals in a way that allows us to be in touch with the abundance of happiness that is available. We are very good at preparing to live, but not very good at living. We know how to sacrifice 10 years for a diploma, and we are willing to work very hard to get a job, a car, a house, and so on. But we have difficulty remembering that we are alive in the present moment the only moment there is for us to be alive. Every breath we take, every step we make can be filled with peace, joy, and serenity. We on, we need only to be awake, alive, in the present moment. Okay. So that's pretty... That's how most of his... <laughs> writing goes. But then he teaches us how to be present in the moment. So So this is from the chapter Present Moment, Wonderful Moment. In our busy society, it is a great fortune to breathe consciously from time to time. We can practice conscious breathing not only while sitting in a meditation room, but also while working at the office or at home, while driving our car, sitting on a bus, Wherever we are at any time throughout the day, there are so many exercises we can do to help us breathe consciously. Besides the simple in-out exercise, we can recite these four lines silently as we breathe in and out. Breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I smile. Dwelling in the present moment, I know this is a wonderful moment. Breathing in, I calm my body. Reciting this line is like drinking a glass of cool lemonade on a hot day. You can feel the coolness permeate your body. When I breathe in and recite this line, I actually feel my breath calming my body and mind. Breathing out, I smile. You know, a smile can relax hundreds of muscles in your face. Wearing a smile on your face is a sign that you are master of yourself. Dwelling in the present moment. While I sit here, I don't think of anything else. I sit here and I know exactly where I am. I know this is a wonderful moment. It is a joy to sit stable and at ease and return to our breathing, our smiling, our true nature, our true nature. Our appointment with life is in the present moment. If we do not have peace and joy right now, then when will we have peace and joy? Tomorrow or after tomorrow? What is preventing us from being happy right now? As we follow our breathing, we can say simply, calming, smiling, present moment, wonderful moment. This exercise is not just for beginners. Many of us who have practiced meditation and conscious breathing for 40 or 50 years continue to practice in the same way because this kind of exercise is so important and so easy. All right, so that's a really good practice, and actually he has many practices like that where we breathe in as we take a step, we breathe out as we take the next step, or we think, we count the steps All of these were practices that I put in place as soon as I started reading his books, and they were really dramatic in how effective they were. And then, you know, I'm jumping into the book where he talks about compassion and how compassion is really important for our own happiness, helping others in the world. And not ignoring their suffering, just focusing on our, you know, not just focusing on our own inner peace, but actually going out into the world and helping others is really, really important for us to live a passionate life. And I've talked about that over and over again. And this is one of the philosophies that Thich Han Hanh lives by. So here is meditation on compassion. Love is a mind that brings peace, joy, and happiness to another person. Compassion is a mind that removes the suffering that is present in the other. We all have seeds of love and compassion in our minds, and we can develop these fine and wonderful sources of energy. We can nurture the unconditional love that does not expect anything in return and therefore does not lead to anxiety and sorrow. The essence of love and compassion is understanding, the ability to recognize the physical, material, and psychological suffering of others, Put us to put ourselves inside the skin of others. We go inside their body, feelings, and mental formations and witness for ourselves their suffering. Shallow observation as an outsider is not enough to see their suffering. We must come, become one with the object of our observation. When we are in contact with another's suffering, a feeling of compassion is born in us. Compassion literally means literally to suffer with. So here he gives a, how to do that. We begin by choosing, as the object of our meditation, someone who is undergoing physical or material suffering, someone who is weak and easily ill, poor or oppressed, or has no protection. This kind of suffering is easy for us to see. After that, we can practice being in contact with more subtle forms of suffering. Sometimes the other person does not seem to be suffering at all, but we may notice that he has sorrows which have left their marks in hidden ways. So let me skip down here. When we observe observe deeply in this way, the fruit of our meditation will naturally transform into some kind of action. We will not just say, I love him very much, but instead... I will do something so that he will suffer less. The mind of compassion is truly present when it is effective in removing another person's suffering. We have to find ways to nourish and express our compassion. When we come into contact with the other person, our thoughts and actions should express our mind of compassion, even if that person says and does things that are not easy to accept. Okay, so we need to be aware of suffering in the world and to have compassion for people who are suffering, not just um, sending peace and love, but actually wanting to take away some of their suffering and then we need to wage peace which he gets on to later in this book and um as i mentioned he was a peace activist so he has a, a whole set of rules to live by and one of them so he has in his book there is 15 rules 14 rules to live by, but I'm going to just say one here, because I think it's one that I keep coming in contact with people who um, want to do good in the world, but feel like it just involves staying peaceful within yourself, period. Um, Rule number four that he has here is do not avoid contact with suffering or close your eyes before suffering. Do not lose awareness of the existence of suffering in the life of the world. Find ways to be with those who are suffering by all means, including personal contact and visits, images, and sound. By such means, awaken yourself and others to the reality of suffering in the world. Okay, so I think this gives a really good idea of the work of Thich Nhat Hanh and his teachings, and he's written many books on many different topics and and it's, and many on just simply on the meditations, which are really powerful um, and I think that his work gets us the very core of being able to find our own passion and joy in the middle of this very difficult time. And not only that, but bringing joy and light into the world and being effective in helping others to be in touch with their own light and joy. Okay, so... On that note, we'll continue a little bit about that next week, I think, because this is just so deep and it's really, you know, his death has brought me to remember um, all the things I learned from reading about, reading his book. But now we're going to go to Mexico, where we um, will hear from Ruben and Minerva in the Bay of Bandera.
2: the frigate, flying so high now, shows a man where to fish, watch me send it, he lies in his hammock,
1: teach his stories how to live, and he knows how to live. Hear the thunder high in that mountain Watch the clouds rolling in Senorita, they dance on that shoreline Making plans for that kiss And they know how to kiss They say that we're one hour behind But the senoritas to keep us in time. That part, B.C.T., just flows
2: through my mind. It
0: takes me back to my place. Punta Mita time. Hola, Ruben and Minerva. Hola. Hola, hello. <laughs> hello. So it's a new year, happy new year, 2022, and we just want to get have our listeners get to know you a little bit. Um, so... Yes. Yep. Yeah. And you guys turned 18. When was your birthday? And
2: um, 22 in December.
0: Oh, happy birthday.
2: Thanks very much. Thank you.
0: So Ruben, um, have you been surfing? Yeah. Any contests coming up soon?
2: I'm not sure about the competitions because now with the COVID situation, nothing is warranted.
0: Okay. So that's kind of closing things down for a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what have you been doing with all that extra time?
2: I'm working on the computer and um, surfing a lot. But in December, the, in December, the waves was not so good.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Is that is that common for that area for December to have lower waves?
2: Yeah, because yeah.
0: Okay. Did the tsunami affect you? Um. No. No. Everything is
2: good.
0: Okay. All right. So, Minerva, I know that you were doing gymnastics, and you had said that after the age of seventeen, you had to stop. So, are yes. you are you teaching now?
2: Well, right now I'm just finishing my last year at Circle School. It will end in March, and I will no longer be a star in the, in the program, but I will continue doing gymnastics, and yeah, I would like to teach or give some classes. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, of all the places that we've talked about on this program, what would you say are your favorite places in Mexico?
2: Well, all the places are beautiful, but obviously I'm going to play some brunch shows because it's the place that I know the most and it's a small town where it have a beach and you see the people and your friends and family almost all the time and it's safe here. My favorite place is a because the waves obviously are the best and I love to surf here.
0: Okay, so you love exactly where you are
2: yeah
0: <laughs> so and where is that located for listeners what where Where is your town located, so listeners have an idea of where you are, or do you want to keep everybody away so that it stays quiet, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How far are you from Puerto Vallarta? Um, like, like
2: one hour and a
0: half,
2: I think so. One hour.
0: One hour. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's much quieter there where you are.
2: Yeah. Obviously. Yeah.
0: Mhm. Mhm. So, is there anything that you guys want to say to your aunts and and cousins in Germany?
2: Well, but I love them and I miss them very much. And I would like to visit them very soon after so many years with us and each other. And I send them a very big letter and I hope that they are fine.
0: hmm hmm Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The world is in a strange place right now. So I hope everybody... Yeah, I know. Yeah, I hope everybody stays safe. Um, how are things over there with COVID? You said that the surfing got contest got closed down. Uh, are, are other things closed?
2: Well, it's a little bit relaxed, and um, this week I was doing school at online.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah, in the stores you need to obviously uh, face mask and, well, face safe.
0: With all the people, like tourists, and yeah. Yeah. Are there Are there
1: any tourists?
0: Sorry. Are there Are there many tourists right now? No. Pe- people visiting? No. Oh
2: yeah, but it's lower. Yeah, this yeah. week so lower. Mhm. Mhm.
0: All right. Well, we're going to get ready for another year, right? And come up with some yeah. some new places. It's
2: going to be an amazing year.
0: It's going to be an amazing year?
2: Yeah.
0: I hope so. We need yeah. it. We need it now, right?
2: Yeah, we need it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's get ready for this year and let's stay safe. You guys stay safe there. And until next time, adios, hasta la vista. Okay, all right. So, and thank you to Art for um, your song about Punta Mita, which is in the Bay of Bandadas, which is where... Ribbon and Minerva are, but we used that as the intro to that interview. Um, so we've come to the end of another show. Before we go, let me tell you what's coming up next, Sunday, January 30th, when we'll be joined from a seacoast village in Scotland by our guest, Don Johnson. And Don has a very interesting story. He was a monk for 10 years before a 30-year career in in the performance industry as a leadership consultant and vice president of sales. And right now he's a top writer on Medium.com and is working on his first book, Be More Conscious, A Guide to Living, Learning, and Loving. So he'll be talking to us about his journey and about his upcoming book. And we'll also be playing some of Don's original music. And also, close friend Lisa Marshall, will be back after a very long time, she's been, since she's been on the show last, and she'll be our first Texas artist for 2022, and she'll let us know what she's been up to and what new music she has. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show, go to my website, drmaracarpel.com and you can also hear this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blogtalkradio, Blog Talk Radio, blog dot com slash your golden Years, or go to Apple Podcasts and look up the show. And for upcoming shows and future events, go to Dr. Mara Carpell, your Golden Years on Facebook. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by A Mighty Good Thank you to my guests, Pat Duckworth and Ruben and Minerva in Mexico. And thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe.